0: This show is presented by the 323 Network. You can watch all your favorite 323 friends and shows on the 323 Network YouTube channel. Follow us on all social media platforms at 323 Read. And support us as we continue to grow at patreon.com slash 323 Read. That's 323 R-E-I-D. I hate and love doing solo segments. Because it's so lonely. I hate the loneliness of it outside of Kamala. Just being here. But... I do love that I can be a little less uh, self conscious, more silly, even though I don't have to be self conscious with Scott and Sue. But I can just, I can do, when I'm close up to the mic like this, I can try my best NPR impression to start the show. It's Wednesday, October 18th, 2023. I'm Reed Murphy coming to you from Fredericksburg, Virginia, and this is the 323. Yes, folks. Welcome to the 323. I am your host, Reed Murphy. Thank you for listening as always. Thank you for checking the show out. You may have seen some of this show already on the YouTube channel. Go subscribe to the 323 Network. You can get the best of this and our other wonderful, incredible show, 323 College Shame Day. Plenty more segments that we do. It is a fun show Today, because we have an incredible guest, a great author, author of The Big 100, The New World of Super Aging, William J. Cole is joining the show a little later. Look at that, another J. Cole. That's our second J. Cole on the show, along with Joshua Cole. We just need, like, J. Cole. We need to get the, we need to complete the trifecta. But we have him a little bit later to talk about age longevity and just what it means for all of us, how we can all eventually probably reach age 100. But what's the quality of life going to be like as we get there? How do we get there? What can we do to make sure that we get there? Can Tom Brady get to 100? Are we going to be plagued by that all the way through this time? Find out with Bill Cole a little bit later. But before we get into that, we're going to do a little bit, for the first time in a while, some news to know. We start the news with an NFL Week 6 recap. Got to get it in before, you know, our Ricks versus Gricks Fridays and Week 7 in the NFL. Can't believe we're already halfway or almost halfway done with the season gets more and more fun with every week. And that started last Thursday when the Kansas city chiefs defeated the Denver Broncos 19 to eight. It was a big Travis Kelsey night. The Chiefs' star tight end Taylor Swift friend caught all nine of his targets for 124 yards. Bad night for Russell Wilson finished 13 of 22 for just 95 yards, one touchdown two interceptions chiefs advance to five and one the denver broncos fall to one and five meanwhile overseas the london games continue at tottenham stadium with the baltimore ravens defeating the tennessee titans 24 to 16 baltimore goes to four and two the tennessee titans fall to two and four meanwhile the miami dolphins back in the states. Beat the Carolina Panthers 42 to 21. Not a great game for Bryce Young, but he continues to look better. The Panthers rookie star quarterback. The Miami Dolphins looking like the best team in the league possibly. Go to 5 and 1. Carolina Panthers still without a win. They are 0 and 6. Another rookie star quarterback, CJ Stroud and the Houston Texans defeated the New Orleans Saints. 20 to 13. Saints receivers once again look nearly unstoppable, but can't get a win with it. Chris Olave only caught seven passes for 96 yards. Only. Only. But that's still not enough to defeat CJ Stroud, who is looking like an easy rookie of the year to start the season. Both teams are now 3 and 3. Washington Commanders trying to get a rebound after the Thursday night debacle against the Chicago Bears. Commanders beat the Atlanta Falcons 24 16. Washington is now 3 3. The Atlanta Falcons are also 3 3. Meanwhile, the Jacksonville Jaguars defeated the Indianapolis Colts 37 20. It was the Gardner Minshew revenge game. Minshew now being the Colts' quarterback after rookie sensation Anthony Richardson is set to have a season-ending shoulder surgery. Minshew could not get it done. Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars continue to roll. The Jaguars are now 4-2. Colts are 3-3. Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burr. They took down the Seattle Seahawks 17-13. Cincinnati, they advance now to 3-3. They're getting back up there. Seattle Seahawks are 3-2. Over in the NFC North, you have the Minnesota Vikings in a rivalry game beating the Chicago Bears 19-13. Bears starting quarterback Justin Fields still trying to do everything he can to produce, but now might face a little bit of injury time. Dislocated Thumb, we'll see how he can fare with that. Minnesota is now 2-4, Chicago is 1-5. and five. Heading back to the AFC, go to the AFC North, and that rivalry, well, not really a rivalry when you have an interconference game, <laughs> but it's the shock of the week. We had a huge upset. The Cleveland Browns, without their star, uh, star, I guess, but controversial star quarterback, Deshaun Watson not playing. Rookie backup, Dorian Thompson Robinson, not playing. So it's P.J. Walker to the rescue. And they take down who? The San Francisco 49ers. The Browns beat the Niners 19-17. Huge game. The Browns, they advance to 3-2. 49ers, first loss of the season. They are 5-1 now. Back to the AFC. The Las Vegas Raiders beat... The New England Patriots, 21-17. to It's not looking good for old Bill over there. Patriots fall to 1-5. Raiders are 3-3 three three now. The Detroit Lions, America's sweetheart. They beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 22-6. Detroit is 5-1 now. 5-1. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 3-2. The Los Angeles Rams beat the Arizona Cardinals in an NFC West showdown. They took them down 26-9. L.A. Rams advanced to 3-3, but they lose their rookie running back star rate, really. Kyron Williams, he will be out several weeks with an ankle injury. Meanwhile, the Arizona Cardinals, they fall to 1-5. But you want to talk upsets. Maybe... You can argue the Browns is the biggest upset over the Niners, but you have another undefeated team still left in the NFC at that point. And who's going to take them down? That bad man, Zach Wilson and the New York Jets, beating the Philadelphia Eagles 20-14. Eagles look great, but that Jets defense, even without their star corner in Sauce Gardner, and their number two corner, and DJ Reed still getting it done. You can't beat them. If Zach Wilson can hold on, who knows what you get. The New York Jets over in the AFC East. They are now 3-3. The Eagles fall to 5-1. Another matchup like that, Buffalo Bills. They beat the New York Giants. Not really an upset, but score was 14-9. The Bills won. Tyrod Taylor was the starting quarterback for the New York Giants with Daniel Jones out on a neck injury. The Bills, they now will be four and two. The Giants, they fall to one and five. And then finally, Monday Night Football. You had a rebound performance by quarterback Dak Prescott as he led the Dallas Cowboys to beat the Los Angeles Chargers in a fun but ref-heavy game, twenty to seventeen. The Cowboys move to 4-2, while the Chargers fall to 2-3. And And closing out the little bit of NFL news that we've got, the Eagles, what happens? They lose. They go 5-1. They need reinforcements. They only call in seven-time Pro Bowler Julio Jones, wide receiver, well-known for his time in Atlanta. He will now be a Philadelphia Eagle. And finally, Commissioner Roger Goodell signed a new contract extension that'll take him to over 20 years on the job. He'll now be running the league through March of 2027. Over to college, college basketball, actually. College star Caitlin Clark in Iowa set an all-time attendance record for women's basketball last weekend, bringing in 55,646 people for a charity exhibition match against DePaul. The game was held at Kinnick Stadium, home of the Iowa football team, and shattered the previous record of 29,619, held by the 2002 Women's National Championship game between UConn and Oklahoma. Go Iowa. Go Caitlin Clark. That's awesome. In a 10-0 victory over the Arizona Diamondbacks, Philadelphia Phillies slugger Kyle Schwarber Known for his famous Shore bombs, or at least to me, I like to call him schwarbombs, bombs, had his first postseason multi-home run game, tying the great Reggie Jackson for most ever by a left-handed batter in MLB postseason history. This performance helped push the Phillies to a two-nothing lead over the Diamondbacks in the National League Championship Series, keeping them two victories away from a trip to the World Series. The Texas Rangers also currently hold a 2-0 lead over the Houston Astros in the American League Championship Series. And finally, in its opening weekend, NFL star and music icon Taylor Swift's concert film Taylor Swift The Eras Tour brought in roughly $96 million in domestic box office earnings, according to movie theater chain AMC. That makes it the highest grossing concert film domestically for an opening weekend and just barely missed the record for highest opening by an October film, still held by 2019's Joker, at $96.2 million. Swiss Eras Tour has been a cultural and economic phenomenon unlike any other where, according to CNN... Cities where Swift performed saw ridership on public transit spike and hotel occupancy skyrocket. And in the, even in Seattle, dancing Swifties caused seismic activity that one seismologist said was equal to a 2.3 magnitude earthquake. The Eras film has given fans who couldn't score a ticket because of either the Ticketmaster debacle or just the cost, it gave them a chance to sing, dance, dress up, and swap homemade Eras bracelets with other Swifties. The movie, directed by Sam Wrench, is nearly three hours long and was filmed over three nights at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles this summer. No Travis Kelsey post-credit scene in case anyone was wondering. Well, our guest today is a fantastic writer and journalist who just released his first book, The Big 100 the new world of super aging that you can pick up digitally or wherever books are sold welcome william j cole to the 323 thank you sir for being here
1: it's such a pleasure to be with you reed
0: yes 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 i i'm i'm very excited to have you on here because this is a topic that i really love talking about i talk about it all the time with my mom and so this is fascinating now to get into especially with everything that's going on in the world and the topic of aging has just been always been so fascinating and with these continued advancements that we have in healthcare, and just how people seek to take care of themselves personally. And with just, I think how we all take a deep look more, you know, with our mortality as we at different points in life. What was it about aging and specifically advanced age that drove you the most to take a deep dive and write this book?
1: Well, I think I've been sort of um, fascinated with the very old, for my whole life, and it really traces back to um, my grandmother, who lived almost to 104. She wow. was bo- born in 1899, and she died in 2003. So her life touched parts of three centuries. <laughs> How many of us could say that? You know.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: So that was sort of. I've always was fascinated with her. And then uh, when I was based in Paris as a foreign correspondent for the Associated Press. I was assigned to write about Jeanne Calment, who uh, was the oldest person, still is, the oldest person who ever lived, uh, whose age could be authenticated by records. And she lived to 122 years and 164 days. So, you know, covering that story, the story of her remarkable life, more or less turned a fascination into a full-blown obsession. And then fast forward to a couple of years ago, we're in the middle of COVID, and I had the idea to just check and see uh, how are the 100-year-olds doing with COVID. And uh, uh, it turned out not very well, as you might expect. you know. Uh, but in the course of talking with some experts uh, about centenarians, I realized that we're about to see a huge wave of them. Uh, our our population's aging, and the numbers of people living to one hundred spiking.
0: That's curious. That that makes me very curious. With one of the big questions that I had, and from some of our co-hosts on here, us mid nineties born kids, how what's the life expectation for us going forward?
1: Well, you know, uh, look, some of this is is a little counterintuitive because you know, COVID hit our lifespans, our life expectancies right across the board and lowered them. Uh, the thing is, is that experts are expecting us to rebound from that uh, as early as this year. And uh, so there's a few things going on. One is that um, one in every two five-year-olds alive right now is projected to live to 100. So, uh, you know, there's there seems to be a Nobody, I don't think anybody's really looked specifically at um, millennials and Gen Z, but you can say fairly confidently that the, the trend lines are all moving towards longer lives and a greater chance of hitting a triple digit age for all of us.
0: That's exciting. That's exciting. And my mom, she's a fixture on the show. We love the conversations that we get longer. on here. <laughs> But Mama Murphy flips, she flip flops with the idea of aging a lot. And it's a conversation that we had. Sometimes she's down for the the gracefulness and beauty in it. And other times she's telling me like vehemently, this sucks. Don't get old. And I hear that from, I hear that from relatives like all my life. And I used to joke that I'd never want to live to a hundred because the natural thought I think for many is living, looking, feeling like, Respectfully to centenarians, the the crip keeper is what my idea of 100 always was. That's not the case, though, anymore, is it It, like what would you say is the quality of life for the average person, 100 or over?
1: I mean, it really varies, Reed. You know, Uh, we all age differently. uh, And so, you know, old age looks differently to all of us. And some of that is because of our genetics and some of that is just because of our behaviors. So just to back up for a second and explain why are why why should we expect more people to live to 100? Um, I already mentioned the, the five year olds, half of them projected to live to 100. That is because of just continued medical breakthroughs uh, in treating cancer and heart disease um, and other things that kill us. And so that's why you know the the experts at Stanford University's Center on Longevity are making that rather bold projection uh, for, for very young kids, for kids in generation alpha. And um, that's, that's the medical piece. Then there's a demographic piece. It's just the boomers like me, you know, uh, who are aging. And the baby boom generation is a big one. There's a well over 70 million of us. The oldest of us um, is around 77 Right now, so in the next 25 years, the fittest of those people will start to hit 100, and because there's so many of them, it's just going to push the numbers of centenarians uh, significantly higher. In fact, it's it's going to increase eight times between now and 2050. So that's why that's that's sort of a a nutshell, you know, of why we're looking at this phenomenon. As far as you know, what's life going to be like? You know, it's it's a little bit of a crapshoot. You know, some people age well, uh, you know, they're genetically sort of predisposed to to live uh, healthy and have a good long health span to go with that lifespan. And then there are people who, you know, not so much. Right. You know, and then the thing that we all fear the most, I think, isn't even our physical health as much as it is our mental and cognitive Abilities, you know, and people who suffer from dementia and Alzheimer's, you know, who wants to live to 100 with that? Right. So I think it depends, you know, and 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 uh, my book sort of also uh, looks at some challenges to our, you know, what the landscape will look like for a hundred-year society.
0: Exactly, and again, the book is the Big 100: The New World of Super Aging. Uh, Bill. You brought up demographics just now, and I'm curious to dive a little more into that because I've, I've seen on Twitter your fantastic follow on Twitter. Everybody should go find them. I, you've discussed the divide in age longevity among races. With I believe the stat I saw was white Americans on average living nearly six years longer than Black people, and eight and ten U.S. centenarians being white. So can you tell me more about what you've learned regarding race and even economic
1: inequity when it comes to aging? Sure. Uh, You know, these were the biggest surprises that I found as I did the research for the book. I knew that white people had a longevity advantage. I just didn't realize how pronounced it was. And it's kind of depressing. You know, I mean, (laughs) life at its essence is about time. And white people get more time. Uh, why is that? You know, uh, a, a lot of reasons. I mean, uh, health outcomes uh, for people of color tend to be poorer. Uh, you know, there, there are higher incidences of heart disease, diabetes uh, in, in communities of color. We saw this in COVID. And, and this is, you know, in large measure why uh, COVID hit Uh, communities of color disproportionately hard because the the underlying health issues were were greater there so these are things that we can fix and we've got to fix them i mean for me and i argue this in the book but i I don't think it really needs argument uh how can we how can we be content to to see this longevity gap and not close it It, to me it it feels like a moral question
0: it it really does because when you think you do think about that <laughs> you see there's no reason you obviously see that there's a problem and we see that often in the country you see that there's a problem that needs to be fixed with this and we want everybody to live as long as possible and to live as happily absolutely, absolutely. exactly now i'm curious with all the research you had to do and the sources that you had to speak to What were some of the most fascinating things that you discovered about longevity? What were some of the what was something that like really caught you maybe off guard, really surprised you that you heard from any of these people that you got to talk to? And even the people who you spoke with that are up there, like who was the most interesting?
1: Oh, gosh, Uh, so many surprises and uh, and so many interesting things. Uh, First of all, you had mentioned in addition to uh, racial Gaps and ethnic gaps in how long we live. Uh, there's an income piece of it, and I I didn't really know that. Uh, I guess it, it makes sense, but you know, rich people get more time. Uh, people who have college degrees, four-year college degrees, live longer than people who don't. And there have been you know very extensive studies that have uh, you know documented that. And the reasons are. You know, many people with college degrees tend to get better jobs. They they have jobs where they're able to work in air conditioned buildings, uh, whether that's remotely or you know at a company. So they're not out you know making a hard living in in the heat. Uh, you know they have they have uh, uh, less of a likelihood of smoking. They tend to advocate for themselves at the doctor's office more aggressively than people who don't. Have any college? They can uh, get the
0: doctor's it, office. They can get yeah. Them. Well,
1: that's right, exactly. So there's like a whole litany of things, you know, that um, having money helps. You know, and it's you know we say that money can't buy you love, but it turns out it can help you lease more life, and and that's another inequity because we have a lot of that in our country, um, and it's something that's fixable if we if we cared to 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 do something about it. That that was a big surprise. I think just the extent of that, um, and and the the gaps between the haves and the have-nots, that goes right right to again how much time we get to live and to love uh, and to work and create and contribute. Um, other things that surprised me: uh, the role of positivity in lengthening our lives. We, you know, we, we talked about genes a little bit, and we can, we can probably talk more about that. Uh, a, lot, a lot of getting to 100 depends on our genetic wiring, you know. But um, getting to 90 uh, means it sort of uh, depends about uh, 75% on our behaviors. So these are things like our diet, our, uh, whether we exercise or not, um, sun exposure, smoking, certainly, things like that. Um, and then and then once you get to 90, uh, it starts to flip and genetics plays an increasingly uh, greater role. So by the time you get to 100, the genetics piece is probably about 50% at play. By the time you get to 105, uh, 75% is genetics. And then it just goes up sharply from there. So there are things we can do. And w- one of the things that we can do is be positive. Uh, and, and it adds life to, you know, it, it's really amazing. I mean, there, there one study uh, at Harvard suggested that it could add as much as seven and a half years to our lifespan by being positive and, you know, sort of keeping our chin up and, and looking on the bright side. All stuff that sounds, frankly, a little Pollyannish and a little, you know, bs maybe uh at first blush but it turns out that it it really you know there's a mysterious interplay between our minds and our bodies
0: that makes me that makes me happy it makes me feel positive to hear because that's that's how i try to live life that's what we try to do with this show i mean you can see the colors behind you right now with how bright and positive it all is that's a good that's a good way to go now i don't want to go from positivity and be a complete downer on the topic, but there are I I like exploring this route on here. That the first route to explore is climate change, and this advanced. Sorry about my cat jumping in the middle here. Hi, come on. It's
1: Friday right the thirteenth, and you have a black cat in the shot. How cool she, is that?
0: She's brown, so she's not perfect. Oh, she's just okay, she, but she's fantastically
1: unlucky. here we go now i look like calico almost beautiful yeah
0: yeah she's she's also a fixture on this show she's knocked out the audio several times it's great (laughs) (laughs) but uh nine lives
1: that's even more than what we're talking about
0: if she gets nine lives i'm ready to take seven of them right now (laughs) but climate change and this advanced extreme weather that we're dealing with this rapidly changing earth earth that we live on and I have the question of how do we cope with the idea of advanced aging when it also feels like we could outlive our own
1: planet? I'm so glad you asked that, Reed. Honestly, this is sort of the the, the wild card uh, in, in all of this. I mean, you know, if, if we don't do something about the climate crisis, we're not going to have any longevity, uh, you know, much less extreme longevity. Uh, I mentioned the boomers aging. And uh, so we're going to see more people living to 100 you know, whether they like it or not, actually. Uh, So for at least a time, there will be more centenarians. And that could coincide with the worst that the climate has to throw at us. It could make for a very unpleasant triple digit experience for some people. Because, you know, who wants to live to 100 years on a planet ravaged by extreme weather? And as a consequence of that, uh, economic instability, um, you know, political insecurity, all of that. So it's it, it's really um, it's it, it's even more important that we do something about the climate crisis. And you know, what about you know, those five-year-olds we talked about? Half of them projected to live to one hundred. We owe it to them to to fix this or at least slow it down.
0: Exactly. If you give me one second, I'm going to kick her out because now she's ripping up cardboard.
1: We have a climate crisis and a cat crisis.
0: That is my biggest concern as well. Like when we talk about, you know, with how this expectancy for five year olds now, it's not going to be a great uh, quality of life when you're having to, you're seeing like in Florida, people hurrying off the coast to get to places like Orlando because there's going to be like no Miami in a while there. Everything is just going that way. And you have politicians handling it. And that's the other route I want to go in with this topic is the literal political aspect of aging and where you stand with the advanced ages of many politicians, because it's been a huge topic recently, especially with you have uh 81 year old house minority leader, Mitch McConnell having a couple of very scary episodes on the job that leaves people asking about things like term limits and age caps on political roles and I can see the legitimacy in some calls of ageism in these discussions but does it concern you at all that our top candidates for leading the nation are 80 and 77 because even if they're sharp and fit and one of them doesn't particularly strike me as either of those but no matter what the arrest records say, these roles, especially POTUS, take a lot out of even the youngest members of Congress and any political roles. Where do you stand on like age caps and limits?
1: Yeah, I think this is of concern to all of us. You know, it's really top of mind uh, and it's become a a huge part of the American conversation. You're right. We have to avoid ageism. Uh, It's a tricky thing to deal with because we decided as a country way back in 1967 that uh, age discrimination in the workplace would be illegal. And so how do we fix this and not break the law? You know, um, we, it, it's really tricky. Again, I, as I said at the outset, we all age differently. So it's hard to impose, uh, you know, standards on everyone, everyone, you know, some people, We've all met these people. You know, I, my mom is 92 years old, still living independently in the house I grew up in, in Massachusetts. And she's spry as hell, man. She just, we, I, we, my wife and I put up a video on TikTok of her walking through the grocery store. We could barely keep up with her. You know, it's almost, it's got almost 100,000 views, you know, my mom, you know, just, you know, and, and then we've met people in their 60s who look ancient and active, you know. So it's very it's very difficult, I think, to impose uh, standards. But we have to we have to do something. The median age uh, of, of Americans is uh, just under forty years old. It's like thirty nine point five, something like that. That's the median age. Only five percent of Congress is under forty. So you know, we say we have a representative democracy, but There are a lot of people in our country who don't feel represented. And, uh, you know, that's a problem. So it it feels like maybe it's time to revisit the idea of term limits, at least, you know, so that we get more, you know, turnover in, in Congress. And there are a lot of sharp, older people with a lot of experience and ideas, and it's good to have them. It's just, you know, were these jobs really meant to be, you know, lifetime forever jobs i mean uh, mitch mcconnell has been in the senate since 1982 or 86 somewhere i can't am confusing him with diane feinstein who just died who was also you know a u.s senator for about that same time like 41 years that's a long time i don't care if you're sharp as a tack or not at some point i think our older politicians need to have the self-awareness to know when to step aside and let let a younger generation rise.
0: I fully agree and you said like with Feinstein like she was she had just been talking about reelection potentially even there at age 90 and I I agree that so there's there is plenty to gain from having wisdom in congress and people who have gone through the experience and have gone through All of this who can, you know, to have them delve that out to the younger members of the parties, it helps. Having an Elizabeth Warren who is very spry, who is very, um, you know, witty and ready to go, it helps having somebody like that. But it gets scary when you see Mitch McConnell freeze up uh, at the podium or if I'm seeing President Biden riding his bike. And I'm 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 legitimately afraid for him to fall or something. It, it's kind
1: of scary to see. Yeah, I mean, with Biden, you know, I I think sometimes he takes uh, you know needless hits about that because look, he he is 80 and he is riding his bike. He's he's pretty fit actually, yeah. and uh, you know, biologically, he's probably a, a lot younger than than chronologically. Uh, you know, that said we're not the same at 80 as we are at you know 45 we're just not we, there are changes to our brains even the size of our brains we 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 our brains shrink a little bit you know um in our it begins in our i think our 30s and you know by by those ages we've lost a tenth of the size of our brains and uh with that can lead some, to you know some uh, abilities to uh, to you know, multitask and and stuff like that. So it's it's really, uh, it's really problematic. I mean, you know, we um, we've never had an older Congress. So one in in four members of, of the House and Senate together is uh, over seventy. And of course, we have the oldest occupant of the Oval Office we've ever had. So time to definitely think about about this. Uh, I think you know, I think a lot of older people would happily vote for younger. Politicians. Uh, It's just, you know, our Constitution sets age limits too. For, you know, you have to be a certain age before you can run for these federal offices. There's no upper limit, there's a a lower limit. And uh, so hopefully we can, you know, find a a place where we can address this, where we don't impose ageist or discriminatory, uh, you know, conditions on fit, smart, you know energetic older people
0: right again you can get bill cole's new book the big 100 the new world of super aging anywhere you get books or online we got one last question before you go to tie some sports in here because this is a sports variety show we're going to tie it in here we're talking advanced ages you just had tom brady retire from the nfl at 45 it still looks like he could go uh lebron james is now the oldest player in the nba at 38 and still dominant i'm i feel like bartolo Colon is still trying to roll out and play somewhere could we start to see more athletes retiring at later and later ages could we get tom brady as a washington commander at 100 can i finally have that
1: i i want tom brady back with the new england patriots my team you know <laughs> which is just, they are just sucking wind. I mean, it's just, it's miserable, but I uh, don't even get me started, you know, but, and I and I expect zero sympathy from your listeners about poor bill, the Patriots fan. But anyway, we, we don't
0: very recently, just last night, we dove headfirst into the Patriots and the whole situation with bill Belichick, who is, who is an aging, he's one of the older coaches in the
1: NFL. And it I, is, you know, and well, you know, we, we had our winning ways for a long time and all I can say is karma is a bitch, you know, <laughs> but yeah, it's your question. Absolutely. I think, you know, look, football is a pretty rough sport. So necessarily people will have to exit the playing field at a certain age. We're not going to see anybody at a hundred, uh, you know, uh, p- doing a pick six, but, um, but, you know, I, I'm a I'm a competitive uh, distance athlete, a runner. I've, I've, I've run a, a ton of marathons. I competed back in college. I'm 62 now. I'll be 63 next month. Uh, I follow some athletes who are in their hundreds, who are out on the track setting world records for their age group in the 100 meters. And, you know, there's this one woman uh, in uh, New Orleans, uh, Julia Hurricane Hawkins, she's called, and she's 105 and holds the world record for the 100 meter dash. Damn. Uh, so you know, I, I, that's cool, right? I mean, that's very inspiring. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, uh, you know, if people want to stay active and they want to keep uh, keep doing these things, I, more power to them. I, it's really inspiring.
0: We love it. We love it. Go get this man's book. It's a topic that we can all find a reason to dive into and he'll educate you plenty with it. The Big 100, The New World of Super Aging. Thank you, Bill, for being on the show.
1: Thanks, Reed. May you live 100 years.
0: Thank you once again for listening, everybody. Again, go get Bill Cole's new book, The Big 100, The New World of Super Aging. Anywhere that you get books, bookstores, Amazon, whatever. Go find it. And, of course, go check out and subscribe to the 323 Network on YouTube. The show looks great. You can see Kamala's annoying ass jump into the shot any chance that she can get. On YouTube, the 323 Network. Go like and subscribe for us. And, of course, check us out, patreon.com slash 323read to help us continue to grow and follow anywhere on social media at 323REID. We will talk to you again very shortly on Friday. Ricks vs. Grix. Hopefully some Travis Byram action. We'll see. We'll get him on at some point. But we're hopefully having him on that show. In the meantime, folks, stay safe. We will talk to you later.